Welcome to the teaching ministry at Calvary PSL. Please join lead pastor Mike Wiggins for the message, A Labor of Love. All right, so one of the themes in the book of Acts is this. Lots of themes in the book of Acts. Here's one big theme, and that is that the church is very important to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first time we see the word church in the New Testament is found in the Gospel of Matthew. I want you to check out what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. He said, I will, now just pause right there. This is around, who knows, about 30 AD or so, 30, 31 AD. Okay, he says, I, what's the second word? Will, in the future. Okay, so some people say the church existed in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Wrong, the church existed in the New Testament. It began in the New Testament. He said, I will build, and what's the next two words? My church, ecclesia. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so back in the Gospels, the Lord pointed to something in the future that would belong exclusively to him, and that is his church. Okay, so what does the word church mean? If we look at Vine's Expository Dictionary, we see the word is ecclesia, that's the transliteration of our English word church. Ek means out of, klesis means a calling. So literally, the word church means a calling out of. The inference there is a calling out of the world, a calling out of. Therefore, based on that, we know that the definition of the word church is simply this. The church is a called out assembly of believers that belongs to Jesus Christ. Now please notice that the church is not a building. It is an assembly of believers. You've heard me say a thousand times, we don't go to the church. We are the church. I hope when you parked your car in the parking lot today and got out, you didn't walk up to this beautiful building and say, look, there's the church. And you walk up and you touch the concrete and you say, oh, this is such a holy place. No, the building is not the church. We're the church. The church that's called Calvary Port St. Lucie is not a building located at 5555 Northwest St. James Drive. It's a called out assembly of believers. It is a local church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Just like in the Bible times and New Testament times, there was a local church in the city of Rome, a local church in the city of Corinth, a local church, right, in the cities of Galatia and Ephesus and Philippi and, and um, uh, uh, Smyrna, as you turn to the book of Revelation, you see the seven churches. All of these were local churches. This also is a local church in that same heritage. And Jesus promised, I will build my church. All right, so I have a question for you. You can answer out loud. Is Jesus a promise keeper or a promise breaker? Keeper. He's a promise keeper. And so what he said, I will build my church, he will do. He said it in Matthew, and guess what? He did it in the book of Acts, and for the last 2,000 years. And so in Acts chapter one, we see the ascension of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter two, 
we see the Father and Son sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus went up, the Spirit came down, and the church was born on the day of Pentecost. It did not exist in the Old Testament. It did not begin when, when Paul got knocked off his horse in Acts chapter nine, as some people are teaching today. No, the church began and was born on the day of Pentecost. For several weeks, we have been studying this dynamic, this spirit-filled local church in Jerusalem, the church of Jerusalem. We're continuing our study today in Acts chapter six, verse one. And one of the reasons I love the book of Acts is because we're a local church just like these guys. We can take so many truths from these scriptures. All right, so if you're looking at Acts chapter six, verse one, just say amen. amen. Here we go. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, and by the way, that's always a beautiful thing. Jesus wants us to be disciples and he wants us to increase in number. But whenever God moves, it's a chess match in Acts, the enemy moves, okay? And so now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a what? Complaint. Somebody goes, oh, how could this be? This church is like perfect. How many of you guys understand that no church is perfect? There's always problems in the church. Do you know why there's always problems in the church? Because there's people in the church. Okay, and this church is no different. And so in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Okay, so as the church, the local church of Jerusalem continued to grow, so did their number of, of widows. And since these widows in this local church no longer had husbands to provide for them, in that culture, in that time of history, that's... That's devastating, and so, man, these ladies were hurting. These ladies found themselves in great need. And one of the ways the church addressed that need was by setting up a ministry of daily distribution for the widows. Now, this ministry is described at the end of verse two as serving tables, serving tables, but that's all the information we get. And so we have to assume that this ministry of daily distribution to the widows of serving tables uh, perhaps included a, 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 a daily serving of food, a daily serving of clothing, a daily serving perhaps of money or benevolence or, or a combination of those three things. All right, ladies, come on, uh, come to the table and we're gonna serve you food or clothing or perhaps benevolence or money. Now at some point, as you continue to read through the New Testament, you see, sadly, that certain widows began to take advantage of certain churches concerning the benevolence ministry. In other words, even though some of these widows had families that could take care of them, they went to the church so the church could take care of them. And the apostle Paul became aware of this and he exercised his apostolic authority and he wrote to a young pastor named Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter five and he told Timothy this. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, Timothy, the church should not be burdened with caring for widows that have children who can help them. By the way, if you're 
in, in your 40s or 50s or 60s and you have a mom and dad who needs your help, help them. They brought you into this world. They helped you when you were unable to help yourself. And guess what? Now it's time for you to help them. And so Paul's saying, hey, the church should only be helping those who are quote unquote truly widows or those who are left all alone and truly in need. I was surprised as I looked at this this past week that Paul's got a lot to say about this subject in 1 Timothy chapter five. You can read that on your own later if you so choose. Back to our story. In Acts chapter six, we see that the church of Jerusalem set up a ministry of daily distribution for widows And this was an awesome ministry until discrimination set in. Look again at verse one. It says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the, please underline, if you don't mind marking in your Bible, the word Hellenists. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the, please underline the word, Hebrews because their widows, the Hellenists' widows, were being neglected in the daily distribution. So at that time, there were two groups of Jewish believers within this local church. And I have to emphasize, this is the local church, and in the local church, there's two groups of Jewish believers in Jesus. The Hellenists, and the Hebrews. Now for some of you, this is brand new and so I've gotta explain it. And so the Hellenists were Jews who were part of the diaspora and were influenced by Greek culture. But then you had this second group of believers in Yeshua in the church of Jerusalem. They were Hebrews, they were natives of Israel. When I say natives of Israel, I mean Judea and Galilee. Natives of Israel who were more traditional in their ways and, and, and these people, they didn't want anything to do with the Greek culture. And so let me, let me give you a little bit of historical background so you understand how these two groups came into being. And so even though Rome conquered Greece way back in 146 BC, Battle of Corinth, so even though Rome conquered Greece, You need to know that the Greek culture that Alexander the Great began to spread two centuries before Rome defeated Greece. The Greek culture permeated and extended beyond the Romans defeating the Greeks and the Greek culture permeated the entire Roman Empire here in the first century AD. So even though Rome defeated Greece militarily, the Greek culture continued to spread. People like the Greek culture. It's called the Hellenization of civilization. The word Hellenization means the spread of ancient Greek culture. And guess what? That spread of ancient Greek culture affected many Jews. And so here we find ourselves in Acts chapter 6, verse uh, 1 through 7. We're in the first century A.D., And you need to know that prior to the first century AD, there was a 
diaspora. There was a dispersion, a spreading of Jews all around the Roman Empire. So if, just imagine right here is the promised land, and then you got Egypt down here, and you got you know, Edom, modern-day Jordan, you got Syria, uh, you got um, modern-day Iraq, modern-day Iran, you got Turkey, right? You can see it, Mediterranean Sea. And so the Jews, these Jews left Israel, and they spread all around the known world of the day, the diaspora, and they were influenced by the Greek culture. Jews wearing Greek-styled clothing. Jews speaking Greek. Jews naming their kids Greek names. They were Hellenized. That's why they're called the Hellenists. So many of these Jews come back from around the world and return to their homeland. They move to Jerusalem. They're walking in the temple courts, walking by Solomon's porch. They hear Peter, James, John, whoever, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're like being drawn by the Spirit. Next thing you know, they're turning from their sins and they're turning to Jesus, Yeshua, as their Messiah. And they receive Christ and they join the local church of Jerusalem. Hellenists in the church. But then you have the Hebrews. And the Hebrews were already living in the land, the land of Israel. And here, here they are, and they speak Hebrew. They keep Jewish traditions. They remain separate from the Greek culture. And they're known as the Hebrews because they're very proud of their Hebrew culture. And so they're already living in Jerusalem. They're walking on the temple courts near Solomon's porch. They hear the gospel. They're being drawn by the Spirit. Next thing you know, they're turning from their sins to Yeshua as their Messiah. And the next thing you know, they get saved, they get baptized, and they're part of the local church in Jerusalem. And so in one church, believers in Jesus, two groups, Hellenists and Hebrews. But here's the problem. How many of you guys know that not all Christians always walk in the spirit? How many of you guys know that sometimes we backslide, we start walking in the flesh, and next thing you know, instead of the old Mike, it's, instead of the new Mike, it's the old Mike. The old Mike who thinks the world revolves around him. How many of you guys can say that's happened to me before? I, I'm gonna wait till every hand is raised. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. Okay? And so what happened as a result of these two groups, it resulted in tension, suspicion, and discrimination. Perhaps the dispute, in chapter six, verse one, went down like this. There's the church of Jerusalem. They set up the daily distribution. It's a soup line for the widows. Here comes the little widows. They're walking in. Here's a Hebrew widow, and there's a Hebrew guy serving the soup. And he fills the Hebrew widow's bowl almost to overflowing. She's like, shalom, thank you. But behind her, here comes a little Hellenist, Greek-influenced Jewish widow. And the Hebrew guy like, only fills her bowl up halfway. And she's like, what's going on here? I got one matzo ball, she got five. <laughs> Can I have some more? Keep the line moving. And the Hellenists in the church of Jerusalem heard that their widows were being mistreated and they got upset, they got frustrated. They went to the apostles and said, we're just as Jewish as the Hebrews, but we're treated like a lower class of citizens. Can you guys please help us? Now, before I move on, 
I have to make this statement. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Discrimination has no place in the church. Amen. It cannot have any place in the church, ever. One of the things I love about our city, poor St. Lucie, is that our city is made up of lots of different races and lots of different people. And you have most of our neighborhoods, any given street, you have African-Americans, you have whites, you have uh, Latinos, you have Asians, you have people from other parts of the world, they're all living together on the same street. I personally love that about our city. But you know what I love even more? I love that our church looks like our community. And that's a wonderful thing. And so I love the fact that all of us are here together. We don't see color. We just love one another because Jesus has loved us. And did you know this is preparation for heaven? Did you know that heaven is multiracial? You guys, is this a newsflash for anybody? <laughs> Check out the vision that John had in Revelation. John said, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from how many nations? Every nation. And from how many tribes? All tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne, before the Lamb, Jesus Christ. I cannot wait to get up there and stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and look around at such a beautiful, colorful scene, all worshiping the Lord. By the way, before we move on, did you hear about the two guys who died and went to heaven? Okay, so two guys died and went to heaven. They saw themselves standing before the pearly gates. And here comes Peter walking up to the pearly gates and he hears these two guys arguing like cats and dogs. And he says to these two men, one, one was a black guy, one was a white guy. He's like, what are you, why are you guys arguing? This is heaven. There's not any disputes or arguments in heaven. What's going on? And the white man said, well, all I did, I just told my friend, I expressed my opinion. I said, I think Jesus is white. And, and the black man looked at him and said, everybody knows that Jesus has dark skin like me. I believe Jesus is black. And right then, Jesus walked up to these two men and he looked at them and he said, hola, hermanos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Some of you are thinking right now, are you saying, Mike, that Jesus is Latino? <laughs> Number one, it's a joke. <laughs> Number two, in his human nature, he was a Jew. Number three, in his eternal divine nature, he's God and he loves everybody. Everybody. Okay? So there's this dispute. There's this dis dispute in the church not, not, every, not every church is perfect. No churches are perfect. There's a dispute in the church. And somebody has a bright idea. How many of you guys know that lots of people have lots of different ideas about how to run the church? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and somebody had a bright idea and said, I know how to solve this problem. If you want this argument to go away, let the apostles come down and let the apostles run the ministry. If the apostles run the ministry, nobody's gonna argue. Let's see how the apostles responded to that. Look at verse two. 
And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples, time for a church meeting, and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Wow. I love how straightforward these apostles were because don't you know that's a controversial statement? Don't you know they took some flack? Well, what do you guys think you are? You think you're so good, you can't come down and serve the widows? And that's not the idea at all. The apostles knew that the ministry to the widows was super important. Their point was this, hey, God's got a call for every life. And the call that God has for our lives is to immerse ourselves in the study and the teaching and the preaching and the feeding, the flock of God, the word of God. And if we go down there and we run this ministry, we're not gonna have time to do what God's called us to do. By the way, church family, who's called to do the work of the ministry? Well, we turn to the word of God. Look at what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. He gave, Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, that means pastors and teachers. He gave the leadership of the church. Why? To equip the who? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. The leadership of the church is given by Christ to the church to equip the saints, primarily through teaching and preaching and discipleship, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Question, who are the saints? I'm glad 20 of you know the answer to that question. The saints are not limited to dead guys who the church decides to canonize. That is not even in the Bible. What's in the Bible, when you see Paul writing to all these local churches, he addresses the saints, and the saints is anyone who is a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. So I'll ask you again, who are the saints? Yeah, so here's the question. Are you doing the work of ministry? That's the question. Look at verse three, the apostles still addressing the church meeting. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men. By the way, there's nothing magical in the number seven. Maybe it was one guy oversaw a team once a day. We don't know. All right, so pick out from among you seven men of good repute or good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint. Please notice the apostles had the final say, and they're the ones who appointed leaders, whom we will appoint to this duty. And so, who did the apostles say should be chosen to serve? Well, if you're taking notes, number one, they gotta be believers. Did you see what, what he said there in verse three? Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you. Brothers, that means Christian brothers, pick out from among you. That means Christians in the church. It's, it's, it's funny to me that, that lately, in the last five years or so, in some churches, church leaders are making a decision, well, whether they're saved or not saved, they come to church, just put them to work. And, and my, my contention is, wait. It says right here that they should be believers. Right, how can you serve Christ if you don't even know Christ? So here, here's what, what happens. You're supposed to turn from your sins to Christ alone as your Savior and Lord. 
then he sends his spirit to come inside of you and the spirit begins to change your heart. And as that happens and your heart's being changed, then all of a sudden you actually want to serve. So if you're here today and you don't even want to serve in your local church or you don't even want to serve the Lord, more importantly, if you have no desire to serve the Lord, you gotta ask yourself, am I saved? Is the Lord changing my heart? And a good reputation. That means these people have to have solid character. Not perfect, but solid character. There needs to be someone who can attest to their character. They should be well spoken of in the church and outside of the church. They should be full of the Spirit. One of the mis, uh, wrong, erroneous teachings in the church today is that the sign of the fullness of the Spirit is speaking in tongues. Not so. It's not in the Bible. The sign of the fullness of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. Okay, and so is, those are the kind of people we want serving and then also full of wisdom. That's important because we want people who, you know, they're confronted with a difficult situation. They have to have discernment from the Lord to be able to handle that situation in a way that honors the Lord. And so these are the kind of people the apostles told them to choose, and then they had the final say, and they appointed them. All right, so look at verse four. The apostles are still addressing the church meeting. They say, but we will devote ourselves to prayer. Everybody say prayer. And to the ministry of the word. Please say ministry of the word. All right, and so here's your next point the leadership delegated ministry so they could focus on prayer and preaching. If you wanna know what my job description here at Calvary is, it's really simple and I don't have time to get into it, but it's four words. I am called by God to heed, feed, lead, and believe. That's what I do. I am called to heed. That means I gotta spend a lot of time in prayer because you need to know, church family, that Jesus Christ is really the senior pastor of this church. And I want to see his will done in this church, in all the ministries of the church. And if I'm not in a lot of prayer, I'm not discerning the voice of the Lord, and we can go like that in a millisecond. Heed, feed. Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep. And so I pour myself into the word of God every week and I, I spend time to be able to feed the flock of God, the word of God, lead. That means I'm given charge to oversee. I thank God for men like Pastor Lee Holly, our executive pastor of operations and Pastor Will Price, our executive pastor of ministry because the staff gets to report to them, but I'm still charged with the oversight. And so I'm in some of the meetings just making sure that the DNA the Lord has given me is being passed on to the staff, feed lead and then believe that Jesus said, I will build my church and come hell or high water, he's gonna build his church in this place. And so if I'm gonna devote myself to prayer and the ministry of the word, I have to delegate ministry to other people. And ladies and gentlemen, this is why we have 23 staff members. This is why we're gonna have at the end of this week, eight elders and five deacons. This is why, here's my favorite number of all, Right now, we have over 550 active ministry partners in this church. Can we thank them? Praise the Lord for people who step up and serve. 
It's a beautiful thing. That makes my day. All right, so look at verse five. And what they said, church meeting is over, pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and if you're here today and you're Greek, I'm gonna brutalize these names, please forgive me. All right, so Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon, I don't know where Pumbaa is, but he's somewhere, <laughs> and Parmenas and Nicholas, okay, a proselyte of Antioch. These, please get this in verse six, they set before the apostles and they prayed and they laid their hands on them. Do you see what's happening here is that the leadership of the church is laying hands saying, we approve. Do you know there's a blessing in that? I cannot imagine, as I'm a care pastor at Calvary Chapel Jupiter under the authority of Pastor Dan Plord, I cannot imagine just going off and doing my own thing. There's no blessing in that. But I'm so thankful that he recognized the call, the genuine call of God in my life. And that call was real and it was confirmed. And he brought my wife and I to the front and they laid hands and they sent us out. And we, for 15 years, have reaped the benefit for doing it the biblical way. Okay, and so as we move on, we see now that these names that I just read and brutalized, did you know they're all Greek names? Isn't that interesting? Now think about this. Who were the widows that were complaining? Or actually the people in the church whose widows were being neglected? The Hellenists, those who had been Hellenized by the Greek culture. So who at the end, I say the Holy Spirit through the apostles in the church, who was appointed? All Greeks, Greek Jews. And so now you have Greeks serving the soup and now both the Hebrew widow and the Hellenist widow are both getting five matzo balls, so to speak. Isn't that wise? Isn't that cool how the Lord works? And then now after the leadership delegates ministry, look at verse seven, it says, and the word of God continued to increase. That's a good thing. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. One of the reasons this church was dynamic is because it equipped the saints for the work of ministry. Again, I gotta ask you, who are the saints? Yes. And so we have lots of opportunities to serve here at Calvary. Ladies and gentlemen, my wife and I raised three beautiful girls who are all now adults and all out on their own, and we love the fact that they all know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's what you need to know. When they were little girls growing up in our home, because they were part of the family, they had their chores to do. Now, I don't even know with the millennial generation if they even understand the word chores. <laughs> I don't know if it's on their radar. But here's what, here, here's what we did. Our girls are part of the family. They live in our home. So guess what, girls? You're gonna chip in and help out. How many of you guys understand the local church is a family? And so there's a reason why Rachel made this graphic with lots of hands. <laughs> because many hands makes the work lighter. So if we're part of the church family, we should do our part. 
Now, now please hear me. Lots of people, they don't understand the New Testament, and so they go to church, to church, to church, to church, you know, whoever, whatever music they like the best or whatever speaker is the most engaging, whatever it is, they just go from church to church and they sit and they receive and they go to another church to sit and receive and guess what? They're not following the New Testament at all. The New Testament had local churches in different areas and they picked a church and that church became their family and they put their roots down and they served the Lord in that local church. And so I wanna encourage you, pick a church. If it's not this church, praise the Lord. Just make sure it's a church that exalts Jesus Christ and teaches his word. But pick a church and then begin to do your part in the church. Now what I'm gonna do for the rest of our time, I'm gonna quickly go through some of our ministries for you so you can see if you're not serving, well, maybe I'll serve there. And I'm not gonna name all the ministries, so please don't send me emails because some of the ministries are doing just fine, um, but here's our, we're gonna start with Calvary Kids. All right, so our Calvary Kids ministry is all about lighting kids' way to Jesus. And so what this ministry does is they share the life, light of Jesus to these little kids. Didn't you love that video? They're amazing. These kids are amazing. And so these ministry partners share the light of Jesus to these kids, and then the kids are encouraged to share the light of Jesus to others, and it's working. These little kids are sharing their faith in their schools. And so during each service in the building next door, there's dynamic worship, there's Bible lessons, there's, it's all done in a safe and fun environment. And here's, I love this statement. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Listen to this. Our Calvary Kids ministry partners believe they have a duty to consistently show up in our kids' lives because our kids are worth it. I love the commitment of our Calvary ministry partners, Calvary Kids ministry partners. And so if you want information on how to serve in this ministry, just email our Calvary Kids director, Ethan Jones. And let me also encourage you to do this. Moms, dads, if you have an infant to a fifth grader, don't bring them in here. Listen, I'm talking about the Hellenization of civilization. They're not getting that. Let them go learn the Bible on their level. Don't bring them in here where I don't get it and they grow up in a church thinking, church, I don't get it. No, they can learn Jesus and the Bible in a safe environment. All of our ministry partners, background check, camera, videos in every room, they're safe over there. Bring your kids to our Calvary Kids ministry. Let's talk about Calvary students. Our Calvary student ministry is helping sixth through 12th graders build genuine relationships that equip them to live godly lives and become servant leaders. That sounds really good for teenagers. So every Wednesday evening right here, they break up middle school from 6 to 7.30, high school from 7.15 to 9 o'clock. They have fun games, authentic worship, engaging teachings, dynamic small groups, all right, we're always all about get them into small groups. Discipleship happens in small groups. We do that across the board in all of our ministry, including our kids and our teens and our students. And so if you want information on how to serve in this ministry, email uh, Andrew Sturkin. And if you have a sixth through 12th grader, send them on Wednesday night to our Calvary students ministry. Let's talk about our Calvary young adults. This is a cool ministry every Tuesday night at 7.17. 
Uh, my daughters or some of my daughters are involved in this ministry. I constantly hear great reports back about what the Lord is doing. And so the Calvary Young Adults Ministry is a community of 18 to 25 year olds. They're building a culture of belonging and mission. The heart of our uh, team here is that every young adult comes to know Jesus, fulfills Jesus' will for their life and becomes leaders um, in their generation. If you wanna serve in young adults, maybe this is your thing, then all you have to do for information is to email our young adults, Pastor, um, Pastor Aaron Hodson. And if you're a young adult, Tuesday night, 717, you gotta come check it out. Um, the Holy Spirit is working with our young adults. Let's talk about intercessory prayer. Now, this ministry, I'm so thankful for. Because ladies and gentlemen, did you know that 30 minutes before every service, a group of people get together and they pray for you? 30 minutes before every service, a group of people get together, they go to the throne of grace, they intercede on your behalf, your families, the church service, etc. And only eternity will tell us the impact that their prayers have made in all of our lives as we continue to move forward with Jesus. So if you wanna be part of the intercessory prayer team, you want information on how to serve in that ministry or any of our care ministries, you can email Pastor Matt Missiano. And so facilities maintenance. You know, how many of you guys right now, look at me, how many of you guys can see my heart beating in my chest? Can anybody see my heart? It's not there, right? Now let me ask you this. Does that mean because you can't see it, it's not important? No, it's important. If it wasn't in there beaten, I wouldn't be here speaking. And so it's ministries like this that you don't see and we take for granted that really are vital for the church. And so our facilities team creates a safe and inviting environment for our church family and guests to, because they're constantly improving our worship environment. If you have skills in landscaping, handiwork, general maintenance, or cleaning, maybe this ministry's for you. And so um, we have our facilities maintenance team, we have our office admin team. And so this is a great team during the week that um, inputs data and sends emails and sends letters. And um, it's a fun group under Miss Pat during the week over in our, ch our church offices on Midway. And so if you enjoy admin work, maybe that ministry's for you. We have our medical team. I'm so grateful for this team. You see them every weekend service. And so they're here to provide first responder assessment to anybody who needs medical assistance during our weekend services. And so maybe you're here and you're currently in the medical field or you're retired, but you have experience as a paramedic, an EMT, an RN, an LPN, um, physician or firefighter. Maybe that ministry's for you. We have our security team, praise God, for these men and women who are here every weekend and at every main event, they're here and they have our backs. And so we're looking for people who have backgrounds in law enforcement or military. And so if you want information on serving in facilities, office, admin, medical, or security, just email our executive pastor over operations, Pastor Lee Holly. And now we come to one of our biggest ministries in the church, and many of you serve in this ministry, and that is our connections ministry, our first impressions. And so the shuttle coming across the street, the parking lot team out there in July and August, sweating, smiling, bringing you to a parking spot. Our greeters, our ushers, our uh, Spanish translation team, our cafe and refreshments team, our next steps team. 
Thank God for these people who create warm and welcoming environments for our church family and our guests. If you want information on how to serve in our connections ministry, you can email Pastor Mike Lawrence, who's doing a phenomenal job here in our church. Now, here's a, here's a ministry that we all see all the time, and that's our worship ministry. And so our worship team leads the church to celebrate the truth of Jesus. So if you're here today and you're a skilled musician, or you're here today and you're a skilled vocalist, guess what? That's not enough. So if you're here today and you're a skilled musician, or you're here today and a skilled vocalist, and you have a committed walk with Jesus Christ and you wanna see God glorified, then perhaps this ministry is for you. You, you, what you guys have to understand is that all these people that are up here, they're not putting on a performance and giving a concert. They're leading us to the throne to worship Jesus Christ, our hero, in spirit and in truth. Okay, so you gotta have a committed relationship with the Lord. So for information to serve in this ministry, you can email Pastor Aaron Hodson. You can set up for a tryout video. Two more left. Stay with me to the end, all right? We got our tech team in the back. We never say thank you to these people. Can you thank them in the back for all that they do? Praise God for them. So our tech team exists to help facilitate engaging worship and a clear presentation of God's word using audio, video, technology. So if you have experience with pro presenter, lighting, video switching, camera operation, or audio, maybe this ministry's for you, or last but not least, our video production ministry. That exists to worship our creator through the production of Christ-honoring video content. So if you have experience in producing, cinematography, graphic design, audio, music, or acting even, this ministry may be for you. And so for information on any of these ministries, you can contact through email Pastor Will Price, um, who uh, oversees all the ministries here at Calvary. Now, maybe there was something I said and we changed the screen and you said, oh, I didn't get the email. No worries. All you gotta do is visit calvarypsl.com, scroll down on your phone all the way to the box that says serve on a team, and you can look at all of these ministries and more and pray about how you can do your part in your local church family. I leave you with this verse. For all those who are serving and those who are gonna serve, just know this, God is not unjust to forget. He will not, because I know some of you guys serve week in and week out, and sometimes no one ever says thank you. First of all, let me apologize <laughs> that some of you serve week in and week out, and no one ever says thank you. But just know this, God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. I think we should, one last time, as I turn the service back over to Pastor Will, thank all of our awesome ministry partners for all they do. God bless you guys.